Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of October 13. In the news, PACE adopts a resolution on the human rights and humanitarian situation of Artsakh Armenians and the international obligations of Azerbaijan. A Baku court holds preliminary hearing in the trial of 68-year-old Vakif Khachadurian, who was kidnapped by Azerbaijani border guards during a medical evacuation by the ICRC. Armenia's foreign ministry calls it a sham trial. And Yerevan has a new mayor. Less than a month after Azerbaijan launched a wide-scale attack on Artsakh that lasted 24 hours and later precipitated the mass exodus forced displacement of the indigenous Armenian population, as of October 9, there are 100,632 refugees in Armenia. More than 98% of them have registered with Armenia's government. On October 12, in a cabinet meeting, Armenian Prime Minister Nigor Pashinyan said that the Armenian government has provided more than $100 million for the forcibly displaced Artsakh Armenians, but also went on to say that approximately 2,500 of them have already left the country. He expressed hope that they would one day return. Both domestic and international aid continued coming in to meet the needs of of the Artsakh Armenians, providing assistance, financial help, and medical care for those in need. Overall, the EU and 15 countries have announced a total of $66.3 million in aid. The majority comes from the EU and its nine member states, France, Italy, Germany, Sweden, Spain, Poland, Czechia, Denmark, Hungary, at uh, $46.4 million. On October 7, Romania sent two planes of humanitarian aid to Armenia for the refugees from Artsakh on the same day. A humanitarian aid flight organized by the EU landed in Yerevan with 50 tons of humanitarian supplies. On October 8, UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, with UN agencies and NGO partners, appealed for $97 million to provide urgent humanitarian aid and protection to refugees in Armenia and those hosting them in Armenia. UNHCR launched the Armenia Emergency Refugee Response Plan that brings together 60 partners, including 43 national NGOs, and covers relief efforts for a six-month period until the end of March 2024. The joint plan aims to support um, the refugees, including members of local host communities. The plan also takes into account the upcoming harsh winter months when critical support will be required. The U.S. Embassy in Yerevan reported that two seriously injured young people from Nagorno-Karabakh were evacuated to to the United States to receive specialized medical care this weekend. Earlier, five severely injured patients in Nagorno-Karabakh had been evacuated by Italy. Four were transferred to France, three to Bulgaria in order to receive the necessary medical treatment. Throughout this week, the International Committee for the Red Cross, teams of, from that organization, continued their search for people who were left behind in Artsakh, including the elderly, sick, and disabled. They have been in the streets with megaphones to find those who need help or wish to be evacuated. Um, you know, they did a tweet, Rubina, that's not very clear, but they said that as a result of, uh, of their efforts, they managed, and this is a direct tweet, managed to restore family links for three people with their loved ones in in Armenia. So um, we're taking to assume that they found three people and then and, and later in another tweet they said that they established contact and the families were very happy because they didn't know about their whereabouts. And another story this week that is confirmed but there's a lot of questions. One person that was uh, missing was has been found in Baku and his family just received a short phone call. I was able to speak with him very briefly him saying that I I'm I'm in Baku uh, but there there's, there's no, no details, details right. 
Well, on October 11, Undersecretary General and Special Advisor to UN Secretary General on the Prevention of Genocide issued a statement on Artsakh refugees. Uh, she said, I call on all efforts to be made to ensure the protection of all human rights of the ethnic Armenian population who remain in the area and of those who have left, including the right to return, which should be prioritized. Adding that she encourages the government of Azerbaijan to take steps towards putting in place a comprehensive plan in this regard, including measures to ensure the right to return of those who have fled, as well as concrete steps for ensuring the rights and protections of minorities, which is a cornerstone of international human rights law. On October 12, in an interview uh, on public television, Armenia's Prime Minister Pashinyan spoke about the proposed talks between Armenia and Azerbaijan that were to take place uh, on October 5 at the European Political Community Summit in Granada, Spain. That didn't come to pass because Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev pulled out at the last minute, citing the presence of French President Emmanuel Macron. The multilateral meeting also included German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and European Council President Charles Michel. Pashinyan said that Granada gave Armenia two things. The first was a quadripartite statement by Macron, Scholz, Michel and himself, and the second was their bilateral statement with Ursula Venn. Well, he also said that the first statement was going to be a five-way statement had Azerbaijan um, showed up up and signed under it. So uh, he also said that in both statements, it was recorded what should be the pillars of peace in the region from the EU and their point of view. One of them was the mutual recognition of territorial integrity. The second was that the delimitation process should take place on the basis of the Alma-Ata Declaration, also in accordance with the latest USSR maps, transfer to the parties. Thirdly, it was highlighted that the unblocking of communications in the region must take place under the full protection of the sovereignty of countries' jurisdiction, equality, and reciprocity. The statement called on Armenia and Azerbaijan to release all detainees, to cooperate to address the fate of missing persons, and to facilitate demining work. The statement provided additional humanitarian assistance to Armenia as it faces the consequences of the recent mass displacement of Artsakh Armenians. It was stressed that these people must be free to return to their homes and their places of living without any conditions, with international monitoring, and with due respect for their history, culture, and human rights. Pashinyan refers to the upcoming meeting in Brussels. He said, if we meet in Brussels in the near future and record these three principles, they are expressed in Charles Michel's statements of May 14 and July 15, 2023. It will also mean that the parties sincerely want to move towards peace, and there is a 70% probability that a peace treaty will be signed in a month. If not, then we will have a lot to think about, he said. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Azerbaijan announced yesterday, referring to Pashinyan's interview, saying that the Armenian side is not giving up political speculations and distorted interpretations. The Foreign Ministry added, we expect that Armenia will refrain from interference and territorial claims toward our country and other neighbors. You know, Azerbaijan says it's difficult, Armenia is interpreting things, but it's really, you have to be a, a, a palm reader to understand what they're saying. What, they're what saying. other neighbors? <laughs> I don't know. This week, there was an uptick of discussions regarding the 3 plus 3 format for peace talks. Pashinyan said that Armenia is ready for regional meetings in the format, but it requires additional discussions. First of all, up to this point, these meetings have taken place at the foreign ministerial level, he said, and now the perceptions of the parties must be clarified as to at what level the discussions should continue, Pashinyan said, adding that previously an agreement had been reached to hold the 3 plus 3 meeting in Tehran. Well, he was 
also saying that I was listening to the interview that Armenia is really ready for these talks because Armenia is uh, for continuing some kind of uh, negotiations and talks within the region and understands that uh, it's it's very important to also have these talks regionally and not just with Well, Europe. during the meeting mm-hmm. with the Secretary of the Russian Security Council, Nikolai Patrushev, on October 11 in Baku, Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev also said that it is important that regional problems be solved with the participation of the countries of the region. And just so people understand what 3 plus 3 is, 3 is the three countries of the South Caucasus, Armenia, Georgia, and Azerbaijan, and the regional powers, uh, Turkey, Iran, and Russia. And also a reminder, Georgia has not confirmed its participation in the format. So we keep talking about it, but Georgia doesn't want anything to do with it. Pashinyan, during the same interview that he did uh, with Armenian Public Television, also referred to Russia's military presence in Armenia. The reasons for the Russian border guard troops and the 102nd military base to remain are very clear. They continue to exist, and Armenia and Russia are not raising this, this question. There are many problems, but not all problems are interconnected. The Prime Minister said that if the Russian peacekeepers... Uh, leave Nagorno-Karabakh once they no longer have a mandate, then they should return to Russia. And this was in response to a question: right. is like people are speculating that once the Russian forces mm-hmm. leave Artsakh, they might end up staying in army. And this was his response. He also said that it's very. Uh, maybe not even primary and still unclear whether the Russian peacekeeping forces will leave Artsakh through Armenia or through Azerbaijan. Well, on October 12th, Russia in Global Politics, the website, published an article by Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who referred to Armenian-Azerbaijani relations, noting that based on its geopolitical ambitions, Brussels, together with Washington, is imposing its mediation services on Azerbaijan and Armenia, bringing destabilization in the South Caucasus. Well, this is nothing new. This has been the Russian Mm -hmm. narrative, at least in the last year. Lavrov referred to the U.S., EU, and NATO countries and said that anti-Russian sentiments in Armenia are artificially intensifying. We know how many non-governmental organizations have been established in Armenia in recent years. There were many before. The organizations are not created to promote friendly relations between Armenia and the Russian Federation, but on the contrary, they aim to create soil for anti-Russian sentiments uh, here. Lavrov also said that the leaders of Yerevan and Baku have settled the issue of mutual recognition of the sovereignty of the two countries. The time has come to establish a peaceful life and strengthen trust, he said. The Russian peacekeeping contingent is ready to contribute to this in every possible way, he said. And on October 11, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said uh, at a press conference that the future fate of the Russian peacekeepers in Karabakh will be discussed with Azerbaijan. And just before we move on to what Matthew Miller said um, about the goal of the U.S. and the South Caucasus. In that interview, Pashinyan also made clear that Armenia had not pivoted to the West per se, but that I mean, but that Armenia was exploring its options. Well, he also went on to explain that uh, this process, uh, what, whatever Armenia do, is doing with the EU, is part of the SIPA agreement, mm-hmm. and it started way before the years ago, so yeah, it's nothing new, mm-hmm. well, well before the war, and this, these integration and these communications were established before, and Armenia is kind of bringing them to fruition, basically saying, and uh, he also pointed out that Russia didn't seem to have a problem with that. He also kind of made a point of uh, talking about his very 
first meeting with Putin right after his election as prime minister, his very first meeting, where apparently they had this one-on-one discussion where uh, Putin said, I understand what you're doing and you need to kind of uh, explore these vectors. And he said, yes, it's kind of my duty to do so. It's a continuation of this. So uh, he was making this point that Putin personally understands and has been told about this. And Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, after that, we had the 2020 war, we had the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we had the West's position on Russia. So, so much has changed in the world since then. But yeah, but he made it very clear. He made that, it very yeah. clear that Armenia is not changing direction, as Armenia is just like multi-vector right now. Right. Uh, and uh, also he was saying that we're very clear on relations with Russia. If there is something bothering us, we communicate that, we talk about it. If there's a problem, we point it out. However, we're not uh, cutting relations with mm-hmm. Russia or we're not like, that. that is sure, not our sure, policy. Sure. Well, speaking of West and Russia, on October 10, in a press briefing, U.S. Department of State spokesperson Matthew Miller stated that the only goal of the United States in the South Caucasus and in the relationship between Armenia and Azerbaijan is to, quote, ensure a lasting peace and stability, and of course, to ensure that the humanitarian needs and rights of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh are protected. On October 11, in their daily bulletin, Russian peacekeepers reported that they have dismantled six observation posts and 15 temporary observation posts in the Askeran, Shushi, Martoni, and Martagert districts. By the way, they used Chusha. They also reported that efforts to restore electricity and gas supply to the settlements of Nagorno-Karabakh continue. A few days before, on October 9, Russia's defense ministry reported that Russian peacekeepers are creating building 25 posts, guard posts to guard the warehouses of weapons, military equipment, and ammunition handed over by the forces of Nagorno-Karabakh to the Azerbaijan uh, military. 14 of the checkpoints have been created jointly with the Azerbaijani side. Who are they guarding the warehouses from? I don't know. And uh, also kind of one, one thing that's unclear, uh, you know, restoring electricity and gas supply. Uh, to whom? To for whom? For whom and from where? Because we already know that before uh, Artsakh was evacuated or people left, uh, electricity supply was restored, but it was connected instead of Armenia to the Azerbaijani grid and mm-hmm. probably gas also at this point, which we don't know because mm-hmm. it's not specified. Well, on October 10, spokesperson of the Russian Foreign Ministry, Maria Zakharova, said that Russia hopes that the process of exchange of prisoners between Armenia and Azerbaijan will be completely successful. Well, this was because Putin had said, or uh, I can't remember if it was Putin or Lavrov, said that they should swap. All for all. All for all. Um, And this is just a follow-up to that. Uh, And on October 10, Russian ambassador to Armenia, Sergei Kopirkin, visited Armenia's Sunik region and met with the governor, Robert Khugasyan. The two discussed problems relating to the forcibly displaced persons from Artsakh, solving humanitarian problems, and a number of other issues. It was just a very opaque statement, so... There you go. And on October 9, Turkish uh, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan announced that Turkey expects a policy of peace and prosperity from Armenia. He said if Armenia fulfills its promises, in particular the opening of the Zangezur corridor, Turkey is ready to develop relations step by step. Two days later, the Secretary of the Security Council of Azerbaijan, Ramil Usobov, said that the opening of the Zangezur corridor will be an additional stimulus for the development of the entire region and will bring great economic benefit to Armenia.
in response to the many uh, statements of Baku and Ankara about the upcoming opening of the Zangezur corridor, um, Yerevan has always emphasized that there is no uh, corridor logic in, in the tripartite statement of November 9, 2020 and January 11, 2021. Yerevan evaluates the wording Zangezur corridor by the Azerbaijani authorities as a territorial ambition towards Armenia. And again, Pashinyan spoke about this in the in the interview. In the interview, saying there's no talk about this, uh, that it should not follow Armenian legislation or Armenian laws. It, when Azerbaijan is asking, well, how do you ensure the security uh, of this corridor in a way? It says, like, just like any other countries communicate, you know. And he was just basically saying that Armenia understands that at this day and age, these uh, customs procedures should not take too much time. We were ready to provide very fast and accommodating uh, customs procedures. It's, it's not going to be detention and pants, uh, just like Armenia communicates with uh, Georgia, Georgia, for Iran, example, right. or Iran. So uh, he was saying that we're more than ready to accommodate and uh, make it easier and make it fast. We understand that everything is based on speed, so we're not kind of mm-hmm, going to hold mm-hmm. you up on it. Yeah, but that the road will remain under Armenia's sovereign um, ter- ter- uh, right. uh, laws. Mm-hmm. Yes. On October 12, the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, PACE, uh, held a joint hearing on the human rights and humanitarian situation of Gharapagh, Armenians and the international obligations of Azerbaijan, the Assembly adopted a resolution calling on Azerbaijan to, quote, create a climate of trust and the material conditions for Armenians from nagorno karabakh to be able to return to their homeland, including active steps to encourage and reassure them to do so. The resolution adopted following an urgent debate regretted the long-standing and continuing failure on the part of authorities of Azerbaijan to reassure the Armenian population of the region of their safety and the full respect of their rights. It said almost the entire Armenian population of the region fled to Armenia out of genuine threat of physical extinction, a long-standing policy of hatred in Azerbaijan towards Armenians, and a lack of trust in their future treatment. We've been telling you so (laughs) (laughs) yes yes indeed well it went on to say that it is not too late for azerbaijan to redress the situation and prove its goodwill i mean they still believe that aliyev's word is good right uh the resolution said noting azerbaijan's promises that the rights and freedoms of armenian residents will be ensured and its plans with respect to the reintegration of armenian residents i mean it it goes on uh, and you could read the full text um, we've linked it to our news watch, Artsakh. Well, they also said that there's reasonable suspicion that uh, the mass exodus of Armenians from Artsakh will amount to ethnic cleansing. Can amount it is to ethnic cleansing, yes, indeed. And finally, it said that should Azerbaijan fail to fulfill its obligations, PACE shall have no other alternative than to call for the initiation of a complementary joint procedure between the Committee of Ministers and the Parliamentary Assembly in response to a serious violation by Azerbaijan of its statutory obligations and challenge the credentials of the Azerbaijan delegation as its uh, as its first part session of 2024, the statement said. Similarly, on o- October 11, at the UN Human Rights Council, France delivered a joint statement on behalf of 30 
five plus countries on the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. We are extremely concerned by the dire humanitarian human rights crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh and the situation of the population who have fled from there in the past weeks, the statement said. It went on to say that the 10-month blockade of Artsakh and the subsequent military attack on its territory led to this humanitarian situation and to the mass displacement of the Armenians of Artsakh. Well, again, uh, they proposed that Azerbaijan ensure the security of those Nagorno-Karabakh Armenians who remain and to promptly create conditions for the voluntary, safe, dignified, and sustainable return of those who wish to go home. Their cultural and religious heritage should also be guaranteed and protected, it said. On the same day, speaking at the French Senate, French Foreign Minister um, Catherine Colonna stated that France has initiated a new discussion uh, at the UN Security Council to adopt a resolution to create the conditions for the return of the forcibly displaced population of Nagorno-Karabakh. Kolona said that the conditions must include strong guarantees for the rights of the Armenians, including for the preservation of historical cultural rights, which requires a permanent international presence on the ground. And I think this has to be uh, stated and stressed. Without an international peacekeeping mission, I don't even know, um, armed... And very clear understanding of what the rights of the people right. will be uh, and to, to make these suggestions yeah. to a traumatized people um i don't know we'll see European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen had a meeting in Bordeaux with the France-Armenia Friendship Group of France's National Assembly. She said that they are intensifying humanitarian efforts to assist Armenia in accommodating displaced individuals. We are planning a support meeting for Armenia with the USA. The EU stands alongside Armenia, she tweeted. And French parliamentarian Guillaume Kasparian tweeted after the meeting, Europe has been slow to provide clear and unequivocal support to Armenia. However, it is evident that it is undergoing a radical shift in its stance. Humanitarian aid, economic cooperation, protection of internationally recognized borders as Russia has abandoned Armenia. Europe is backing Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan and the Armenian people, thanks to all those who are working, starting with the French, to strengthen and accelerate this movement to, quote, write a new chapter in the shared history between Europe and Armenia. Nathalie Loiseau, chair of the European Parliament Subcommittee on Security and Defense, tweeted, uh, In Bordeaux, we gathered as concerned majority party deputies about the fate of the Armenian people, and we had signed an open letter to persuade the president of the European Commission to do more. She listened to us. We will soon know if she has heard us. Yeah, Nathalie Loiseau has been <laughs> pretty incredible. Well, today the CIS summit commenced in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. As was announced on October 10, Armenia's prime minister, did not take part in the summit. Earlier, the Russian side had expressed hope that Pashinyan might join the summit via video call, which did not happen. The deputy foreign minister of Armenia took part in the foreign minister's meeting a day before the summit. There was a possibility that a meeting between the Armenian, Russian, and Azerbaijani foreign ministers would happen. However, the Armenian foreign minister did not attend the summit. And uh, Pashinyan also kind of spoke about this uh, because there was uh, not about the summit in particular, but about Azerbaijan's uh, proposition to meet in Georgia and have uh, negotiations, negotiations there. there. He was saying that the whole point for Armenia is to continue the negotiations 
recommendations and already statements and principles that have been agreed upon mm -hmm. uh, during the uh, European uh, negotiations by suggesting that we uh, change the venue and the format, that means everything that has been agreed upon, at least on a principle level, will be disregarded and mm -hmm. we start anew. So he's saying Armenia is not opposed to participating in, uh, in other negotiations. However, Armenia's agenda uh, on, on the principles will still be the, be the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Aliyev criticized uh, the Armenian prime minister and the foreign minister for not participating in the summit and for turning down the possibility of a trilateral meeting on the level of foreign ministers accusing Armenia of not being interested in the peace process when it's Armenia who keeps talking about peace. On October 11, U.S. senior advisor for Caucasus negotiations, Louis Bono, had separate meetings with uh, Prime Minister Pashinyan and Foreign Minister Mirzoyan. During the meetings, Bono discussed support for displaced persons from Nagorno-Karabakh and underscored that the United States remains committed to work with Armenia and Azerbaijan to pursue a dignified and durable peace, while the Armenian side emphasized that Nagorno-Karabakh was factually subjected to ethnic cleansing despite numerous targeted appeals of the international partners, including the USA, and that the international failure to prevent the mass displacement of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh from their homeland in the 21st century once again testifies the imperative of clear steps of international actors in such situations. Earlier on October 9, Bono met with Azerbaijani Foreign Minister Jehum Bayramov, where the latter accused Armenia of spreading false accusations against his country, Bayramov added that the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh left voluntarily and were not ethnically cleansed by Azerbaijan. I guess if you say something enough, it becomes true. Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan Armen Grigorian, the Secretary of the Security Council of Armenia and Armenia's Foreign Affairs Minister, Arat Mirzoyan, received the EU Special Representative for the South Caucasus and Georgia Crisis, Tovio Klar, this week. Issues related to the process of normalization of Armenia-Azerbaijan relations were discussed. The need to exclude uh, any use of force and the threat of force against the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Armenia, as well as the need to continue the negotiation process in line with the key messages of the statement adopted as a result of the quadrilateral meeting held in Granada that we talked about earlier. The size discussed preparations for the upcoming tripartite meeting in Brussels. Today in Baku, the preliminary hearing of Vakif Khachatarian, who was abducted by Azerbaijani forces from the Lajing Corridor in July of this year, took place. According to the Azerbaijani APA agency, uh, the case will be examined by the military court of Baku. APA notes that 59 people have been identified as victims victims in the case, and the personal data of the accused uh, and the 59 victims will be clarified today. Azerbaijan's prosecutor's office announced that Khachatarian was charged back in 2013, and an international search warrant was uh, announced for him. And it, he's, he's charged with crimes against humanity, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, the pogroms against Azerbaijan. Well, Ani Badalian, the spokesperson of Armenia's foreign ministry, reacted to Vakif Khachatarian's trial. Um, this is what she, she wrote. A sham trial, a show of complete disregard of any norms in Baku against an Armenian civilian, 68-year-old resident of Artsakh, who under the ICRC protection was, who was being transported to Armenia for heart surgery, was abducted at an illegal checkpoint weeks before ethnic cleansing in Nagorno-Karabakh. Illegal abduction in flagrant violation of international humanitarian law is now followed by publication of videos and photos showing the suffering of a 68 
28-year-old civilian, as requested by numerous international human rights organizations and institutions, Armenian POWs and civilians still kept hostage in Baku should be released. And it was really, uh, really difficult to watch the video of uh, Vakif Khachadurian sitting in that cell, um, that box at, at, at the trial, and he was weeping. Certainly some sense of pleasure the Azerbaijan gets out of mm-hmm. certain, uh, publishing certain humiliating videos. Yeah. On October 9, Armenia's defense ministry reported that Narek Nazarian, an Armenian serviceman, died of a fatal gunshot wound. According to the report, an investigation is underway to fully clarify the circumstances of the incident. The investigative committee reported that a serviceman from the same military unit was arrested with charges of murder. On October 11, Armenia's Ministry of Defense spokesperson, Aram Torosian, said that Narek Borosian, a serviceman who was wounded by enemy gunfire near Sotk, who was on life support, has regained consciousness. Borosian was seriously, critically injured and initially was reported as killed in action. Later, the Ministry of Defense uh, issued a statement that his heartbeat had been restored and he had been taken to hospital. So a little bit of good news uh, with Narek uh, Borosian. We hope full recovery. Indeed. Soon. Well. And on October 10, Dikran Avinian, the candidate of the ruling uh, party civil contract, was elected mayor of Yerevan with a vote of 32 in favor, five against the public voice, and the Republic Party secured the necessary quorum uh, with their uh, 13 mandates. And it was interesting that they showed up to secure quorum, right? Well, because Avinian lacked three votes to be elected mayor, which was filled by the Republic Party. The party signed a coalition memorandum with the civil contract party, uh, and Republic Party gave all eight of their seats, or all eight of its votes, uh, to Avinian. Well, we could see what that was going to happen with the Republic Party, but definitely uh, the public voice was a big big surprise for everyone, I think, because it was kind of like we demand the resignation of the whole government. And then they helped secure <laughs> they, a quorum. Well, that That's the kind of week uh, it's been here in Armenia, another tough, convoluted week. We hope you have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we'll be back again next Friday. (laughs) 